Good to see everybody. I'd like to thank Pastor Peter in his absence and Pastor Michael for inviting me to share with you today. As uh, Angela mentioned earlier, my wife Mary and I, and Mary made me promise that I wouldn't point her out, so she's just sort of over here. We've been attending regularly since about January, since we moved. I just started a new role at North Park, as Angela said, in November. It's a position that they created, um, trying to do some new things in ministry. And so uh, I'm going to share a little bit more about that as we get into my message, because it fits into what I want to talk about today. But just know that as we were getting ready to come here to Chicago in New York, we moved here from Brooklyn, New York, where I was pastoring a church for about the four years previous. And as we were getting ready, trying to discern, God, what is it you're trying to do? What are you trying to take us? We knew that our time at the church was coming to an end for a multiplicity of reasons, too long to get into here today. We knew that we were getting ready for that next phase, and we had some choices in front of us. And we were praying through things together to try to decide, what is it, God, that you're trying to have us do together? And as we prayed, as we were seeking God, for what seemed like an eternity, there was a time where we were just kind of incapacitated, not wanting to leave, not wanting to move, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, God, what are you having me do? And we were just praying through those choices together, trying to discern, God, is there a particular way you want us to go, or do you even care? What do you, what do you, what do you want from us in this situation right now. And eventually that path led us here. We, we clearly sensed that God was leading us here to begin a new journey together and a new phase. But it seems like every, every so often in our lives that happens, that we'll have maybe a set of choices in front of us to make. And we'll have to decide, God, what is it that you're calling us to do? What decision do you want us to make? Oftentimes it's related to to our career. I've been in ministry for the last 13 years, 14 years actually now, and before that I played professional football in Canada for 11. And so as I transitioned from one end to the other, I sort of had a retirement and then sort of a new launch to a career, I found that life has increasingly got more and more complicated and complex, especially the choices that we that I've had faced, facing me and that I've had to discern as try to figure out what is it you want me to do. But thankfully, God has been there and he's been guiding us the whole way. And in this situation, when we got here, I, the only way that I could actually be sure that this is what God wanted me to do was I actually said to my wife, you just go ahead and make the decision this time, babe. Because I basically made the decisions up until that point of where we were going trying to do it together, but, but sort of seeing somehow it, was, it would usually come down to my career in ministry that would make it. And I said, babe, I want you to be an equal partner in this decision. The only way I know how to do that this time is I want you to just make the decision. So she made the decision probably contrary to her desires because she really wanted to go to where we considered back home, which was in Los Angeles. But we decided to come here, and it's been great because we have really been 
focused in, both of us, together on what we, call, uh, what we sense God calling us to do with our lives. Me in the role I'm at at North Park, and Mary also in her role at North, North Park, where she's moved into a teaching role and, and a staff role together. And what we've found as we've moved into those roles together, as we've been doing our thing, as we've been, as we've been progressing, that things have been not perfect, but, but smoother, because we've been able to take a lot of the peripheral stuff and leave it off, to sort of shed it away and just focus on what's important. And for us, that's really important because besides being both working and having a daughter that we're trying to raise, we're also both permanent, lifelong students, it seems. Mary's just getting ready for her comps to do her doctoral degree to start her dissertation in August. I'm just trying to finish my dissertation after doing two master's degrees and now I'm finishing my PhD. And so I've either been working full-time and doing a doctoral degree and doing family and other, another side job trying to make sure we have enough money to pay for all that stuff. Or I've been playing professional athletics, doing a seminary degree, volunteering about 20 hours a week in the church, trying to, you know, balance all of that stuff. And it seems like I've been in that mode for about the last 47 years of my life. And I'm only 46. And the only way we have survived, especially at me at least, is having a really clear sense of what it is God is calling me to do. It's given me the ability to filter, kind of serve as a filter for some of the choices that I make. Otherwise, I'd be totally overwhelmed and engulfed in the craziness that's our lives. Maybe some of you can relate, because we live in a time in our culture that, that some authors call option overload where you can choose this, 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 this. You can choose them all if you want because we live in a place where freedom of choice is valued above almost all else. So I get to choose and, and we do it. And so people, marketers, they present all these options to us. Career people present all these options to us. All these degrees we can choose from all of these. I don't know how many of you have gone to the supermarket lately. But... When you're in the store and you're in the cracker section, are you serious? Have any of you ever paid attention to this? I do most of the shopping for our family for groceries, and literally I stand sometimes in the cracker aisle just kind of going, because there are literally hundreds of kinds of crackers. Hundreds. And don't get me started on the cookies that are right beside them, right? Oh my gosh. Hundreds. I literally go up and down that aisle looking, do I want wheat thins? Do I want multigrain wheat thins? Do I want whole wheat wheat thins? Do I want original? Do I want reduced fat wheat thins? Not that I need them. Do I want Kids-flavored, colored wheat thins, do I want, you know, and the list goes on and on. Option overload. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite places to eat is the Cheesecake Factory. Has anybody eaten at the Cheesecake Factory? Man, I love that place because there are desserts for days. 
You're like me. You love that dessert. But as much as I love the Cheesecake Factory, we don't get to eat there all that often, there's a part of me that actually dreads going to the Cheesecake Factory, too. Why? Because that menu is like a phone book. You can barely lift that menu. I'm talking about it's this thick, and it's got pages and pages, and they've got every genre of food that you can think of with 30 choices. And I sit there and I look, and I'm like, oh, and I mean, I... You can tell I love food, okay? I admit it. And I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks good. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And then all of a sudden I turn the page. I'm like, let me just see. Ooh. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let me. Ooh. And literally, I'll sit there trying to decide. Now, those of you who know me, well, most of you in here don't know me, so, you know, that, it's not applicable. Mary, you know me. And you know that I love food, but that when I get to a restaurant, normally it's kind of like, I know, I'm, I'm a guy, and I'm an ex-athlete, as I said, so for me, that's pretty much, you know, it's food, right? I like good food, but I'm pretty much, I go to a restaurant, it's like, if I'm going to a restaurant, it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to have this, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to boom, all right, waiter, I'm ready. Whereas Mary, man, let me tell you something, over a little more than 14 years of marriage, this has been one of the tension points in our relationship. Because she will sit there with that menu and just be like, what do you think about it? I don't care. Just pick something. Right? Every time. Every meal, it doesn't matter what restaurant we go to. Other than the Cheesecake Factory, when, when I get that same disease, I mean, I literally come, boom, I'm like, the, the waiter's coming, bringing the waters. You guys ready to order? Yep, I'm ready. And Mary's the type of person who will say, can you come back in five minutes? And then five minutes, can you come back in five more minutes? Five more minutes. And I'm just sitting here going, I just want to eat, man, please. And so there have been moments where we've gotten into little spats. Not because there's anything wrong with her or her approach. That's her approach, and she's there trying to decide. A lot of options. She can't make her mind. I'm just that quick decision guy. It's okay. That's just we're different, but we get in those little spats. Why do I share this? Well, I think that situations like this, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's sitting in the cracker aisle in the, in the, in the store, whether it's thinking of career options for some of us who are blessed enough to have some choices, it's indicative of the environment in our culture right now with the choices and the options that we have presented to us, this option overload, so to speak. And many of us, I think, in our culture, in this society, rather, can get paralyzed by the choices it's like me in the cracker aisle, right? And we just can't. And yet again, some more of us, we don't get paralyzed. We see it all and we think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll just take it all. Right? And I am convinced, actually, that that's how most of us live our daily lives. Just in our ongoing lives, without giving too much thought to it, we say, yeah, 
Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's great. Oh, I'd love to do that too. Oh, man, that looks good. And we say yes, 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 until we get to the point where pretty soon we've said so many yeses that we're swimming, trying to just tread water, keep my nose above it because I'm so busy. You know what I'm talking about. You probably suffer from this disease if your primary response to people when they come up to you, your friends, and ask you, how you doing? If your primary response is tired, stressed, busy, man, I'm busy, right? Because in our society, we kind of, especially church culture, in our society, we kind of lift that up as a virtue. If we're not busy, we're not productive. And if we're not productive, we're not worthy. We're not worth as much. So we stay busy by saying yes to everything, giving very little thought to the consequences for those around me and in my own life. And pretty soon, I'm just swimming, treading water, trying to stay above water because I'm so overloaded. Can anybody relate to that? You may feel just a little bit at least overwhelmed with the situation in your life right now because you've just said yes to too many things. You got just a little bit too much going on, maybe a lot too much, and, and you just seem like you're tired all the time. You're, you're, you don't get enough sleep ever. You've got your kids in five different sports or after school activities all at the same time because you don't want to say no to anything for them either. And you're tired. Deciding when to say yes or no, I, I think, has never been harder in our society because of all of these options. What I'd like to suggest to you today is simply this, that for those of us who want to serve Jesus joyfully with our lives over the long haul, not just serve him hard for the next five years or two years or even ten, but I want to serve Jesus joyfully for the rest of my life. I want to be able to follow him and serve him and make a maximum impact with my life and other people. For those of us who want to do that over the long haul, we need to learn how to say no to the many good opportunities that can distract us from our primary purpose, and ultimately overload us. In the words of author William Urey, if I'm going to navigate the tsunami of options and choices that are demanding my time and energy, then I need to embrace good no's in service to a higher yes. I need to embrace good no's in service to a higher yes. Otherwise, I'm always going to be subject to urgent needs and pleasing people, and I'm never going to maintain any margin or balance in my life, and it makes it impossible to serve Jesus with joy over the long haul. I'm convinced, though, that Jesus has more for us than that. And I want to turn to one passage today. I'm just going to read it. You can follow along if you'd like, or you can just listen if you'd like. There's no more virtue listening than there is looking. We all have our preferences. But in Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read a 
short passage from Jesus' life and ministry, starting in verse 29, where I believe that Jesus has a couple of things that, to speak into this issue for us that we can draw out of just his life and how he approaches things. So Mark chapter 1, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, "Ah, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, I need to admit that this passage has often intrigued me, especially when I first came across it. The first time I read through the Gospel of Mark and read this, I kind of glossed over it. The second time I read that, I was like, ah, something doesn't feel right here. This doesn't seem to fit the mold of the Jesus that I've been taught about. Right? The Jesus that I've been taught about is that he has got that he loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life that he's here to meet every need i can go to him and pray and ask for what i need and he's going to give it to me and cuz he wants me to live the abundant life the full life in john 10:10 10, 10, right he wants me to to live out the best that god has to offer and so i can go to him and and jesus doesn't say no of course he gives you what you need especially when you ask according to his will, right? And this is kind of, maybe not overtly or directly, but at least implicitly what I was taught about Jesus when I first surrendered my life to Christ. Now, I wasn't raised, you understand, as a, as a, as a Christian kid. I wasn't raised in church at all. I actually became a Christian while I was playing professional football in Canada through Athletes in Action, and I was 24 years old, and I was trying to figure things out, and I wasn't happy. I was miserable, even though I was doing what I wanted to do. And so when I surrendered my life to Jesus, man, I dove. I was head first. I was all in, because he just came in and pulled me out of a mess that my life was in right then. And one of the things that Athletes in Action did for me is they came alongside me, and they started walking with me in a one-on-one relationship, mentoring me, this person who was leading our ministry, helping me to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. He did a lot of incredible things for me to solidify my faith and help me to become a self-feeder rather than depend on everybody else for my spiritual nourishment. But one of the things that implicitly came across to me in our relationship and the way we taught, and some of that I think is just our evangelical theology that we get in this country, 
is that Jesus, though, is kind of here to make sure that everything is okay. That, that everything is good. And that, then that happens when we pray and take things to him and he meets our needs and our concerns. And if you just surrender yourself to Jesus, it's all going to be better. It's kind of how I was in, introduced to the gospel. Yet here, I come across this passage, and I'm reading, and, and Jesus doesn't say yes to all of these people who are coming to him in need. He's doing these incredible things, but then all of a sudden, he gets to this part in this passage later on, and his disciples say, look, Jesus, we got all these people for you to heal, and what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, cool, let's get to it. New day, more ministry, baby. Right? Jesus actually even though the word isn't said here, says, no, I'm not going to do it. Right? The passage actually says Jesus' response. When they say, Jesus, where have you been? Everyone's looking for you. Right? Implication. How dare you go off for some time by yourself? We've got all these people lined up that you need to heal and work with. Where have you been? And Jesus doesn't say, oh, my bad. Let's, let's go back and, and get to this thing. Jesus instead responds, ah, let's go somewhere else then. Eh. Those people, whatever. Screw them. Let's go this way. Got somewhere to go down the road. It's kind of how this came across to me when I read this for the first time, you know? I just wasn't used to this. I mean, Picture this in your minds just for a moment to, to think about the environment here, right? The passage says that the whole town came to him after sunset. The people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed in Capernaum. And I'm sure beyond. Because Jesus was a rock star at this time in his ministry. Right? I mean... At this time, early in his ministry, Jesus is a rock star. People want to see him wherever, wherever he goes. Jesus, the healer, the miracle worker is coming to town. Let's go see him. Maybe he can heal us. So crowds are flocking to Jesus everywhere he goes. Jesus spends all day, and it says here, all night working ministry. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. He's the Messiah. He is the healer, the prophet, the great miracle worker. He is going to do this. But here's the thing that becomes clear in here as I read this passage a little bit more earlier in my walk. Realize that even Jesus realizes that he can't keep up this pace and he can't say yes to everybody. So what does Jesus do? First, he says, i got to find some time for me, and he escapes and goes off to spend some time with just him and God. I need to rechart, man, God, Dad, pressure's getting to me a little bit here. There's a whole lot of folks that just, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. More, more, more. Jesus goes and spends some time with just him and God. But then we see those disciples, you know, that group of people, those needy folks who just kept kind of coming, just wanting more and more. I got to get more of Jesus. 
do more Jesus, do more Jesus, do more Jesus. And here they come. They find Jesus, and Jesus, interrupted from his quiet time with God, doesn't rebuke them, doesn't yell at them, lets them bring their request, let them know what's, what's going on, guys, what do you need? Everybody's looking for you. Jesus just says, let's move on down the road. Let's go somewhere else. Why? Because that's what I'm here for. You know, for those of us who are here who are addicted to approval, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where I've got to say yes to anybody who asks something of me because I desperately need to be approved and validated. If I say no, there's a chance that I'm going to be looked down on, rejected, maybe thought of as inferior or not a good Christian or a bad person. The attention that Jesus is getting here would be like a drug for us, right? If we've got that kind of struggle, I mean, just think, I mean, everybody wants him. And Jesus does something and people are just like, oh, you're awesome, right? For those of us, for many of us, the way we live our lives and do ministry, we're driven by that need to be validated. And for those of us who are in that situation, this would be incredibly difficult to do what Jesus did here and say, no, can't do it. Got to head on down the road. And I'm dating myself here, but for those of you who are familiar with an older character on Saturday Night Live named Stuart Smalley. Anybody here remember Stuart? What's that? He's on Mad TV now? Oh, I say back in the day, this is like way back in the day, he was a Saturday Night Live character. And, you know, Stuart looking into the mirror. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. You know what I'm talking about? That's how many of us feel when we get everybody clamoring to us and we can't say no. We, we say yes because we want that feeling of people like me. Doggone it, I'm good enough. And I say yes to everything. But Jesus does something different. He goes against what people reading this would think, what most of us would think he would do. He says no. He says no. And i got to be honest with you, it took me a while to reconcile this. How could Jesus say no when there were so many people in need around there, yet he seems to just so callously say, let's just go down the road to another town. Because that's why I've come. Like, no, Jesus, that's not why you've come. You've come to heal people and to meet our needs. Yet, in this way of almost seeming indifference, Jesus just says, let's go down somewhere else to the nearby villages. How can he do this? Well, I'm convinced as I reflect on this story that the key is in his actions that are twofold. First, that he goes to spend time with God to gain clarity and to recharge. But it's not purely a thing where he's an introvert like some of us and we need to just get away from everybody and just fully recharge in and of itself. That, I'm sure, is part of the recharging. But you notice that as Jesus goes and gets away and he's with God and they come, right after the disciples ask, what's up, Jesus says, no, then we're going to move on down the road. Why? Because this 
is why I have come. See, I'm convinced that there's a connection here. Jesus, as he's here with with God alone, spending time not just recharging, but also refocusing, recentering, gaining clarity on his higher yes. He's having that higher yes of why he's here more deeply embedded into his heart. And it's because of that, because he's willing to get with God to gain clarity, to gain that clearer understanding, that he's able to then say no, and not say no in a way that's bad, but to say good no's. Because that's actually what's going on here. Jesus is actually saying good no's. He's he's in a situation where it's actually okay to say no. I know there's people in need here, disciples, Peter, I know that you've got this line of folks at your house that want me, that, that need me to heal them. I know that you've, you've got all these people that you've told and invited to come to your house. I know it's going to be embarrassing for you to, to then turn them away and say, sorry, Jesus has to move on. I, I know, I know, I know. But Jesus says, that's actually okay, guys, because I'm not actually here to heal everybody. I'm not here to meet everybody's needs. Actually, what I'm here to do is to preach the gospel to all of these towns. He says it even more clearly in the words used in the, in the version in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus' response is quoted by Luke as saying, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That is why I was sent. You see, it's in this solitude where Jesus gains perspective and clarity. Not just that, but the courage and the resolve to be able to say a good no. To say a no to a good request. A no to something that would seem like, of course, Of course, how could anybody who's a decent person say no to this request? If you've got it in your means to heal somebody or to deliver somebody or cast out a demon or give somebody $1,000 to to get them out of a situation, maybe get them into a new home, how how could you say no? But Jesus here models for us a different way, and he says it's okay to say no. And you see, some of you here, I think, are in a situation in your lives where you simply need to hear that it is okay for you to say no. It's actually okay. It's actually not unspiritual to say no to a good request. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're selfish or you're self-centered. It doesn't mean that you're callous or indifferent. It doesn't mean that you're being mean. What it means is that when the time is right, it is okay for you to say no when it's in service to your higher yes. The problem, though, is that many of us in here aren't sure what our higher yes is. We're not actually 100% sure what it is 
really that God is, how God has called me to invest my life to make a difference for him, for his glory in the lives of other people. I'm not sure what my higher yes really is. And because of that, I just, I say yes to everything and everybody. To the point where my life is a zoo. I'm tired, I'm burned out, I'm stressed out, I'm, I'm, I'm worn out all the time. I feel like I'm frazzled. Pastors encounter this all the time because for pastors, ministry leaders, it's hard to say no. Because in, in, in this case, there's a few hundred people here, for example, who are coming up with Pastor Peter, Pastor Michael, other people on your staff saying, I need you, I need you. And as a pastor, you're like, great, I'm here for you, right? It's, that's what we're here for. We like to serve people. We want to we wanna be healers, therapists, and counselors. You're exactly the same. You got in this business because you like helping people, and you like healing people, social workers, teachers, those of us who get in helping professions and educating professions. We do what we do because we love doing it. We love investing in people. We love helping people. We love walking with them in their journey. So to say no feels almost like a sin, And the problem then becomes we say yes to everything and pretty soon we burn out. Because we've got nothing left to give. But Jesus here provides a different model of ministry and of life. Jesus here presents a model where he says it is actually okay for you to say no. In service to your higher yes. So how do we actually gain perspective, gain the courage to say these no's, to gain the clarity enough in my life to to have a clear enough sense of my higher yes where, where I've now got the motivation and the fuel that I need that I can actually say no when the time is appropriate to keep my life in balance so that I can invest in other people's and make my ultimate contribution for God over the long haul of my life and not burn out, not pull out of church. Some of you volunteers, you, you, some of you are sitting here thinking, well, yeah, yeah I understand how that's an issue with pastors, etc., but, but maybe you're sitting here and you've been a volunteer as, as a member in this church or other churches for a good chunk of your life. Has anybody been in that situation where you've then, all of a sudden, you've just burned out of ministry, right? You're not paid for this. I'm volunteering, right? But you've been serving and so long it's like you go to your pastor or your other ministry leader and you go to them at some point and you say, Pastor, I, I think I just need to take a break for a while. I'm going to pull out of ministry for a while and sort of sit on the sidelines and just come. Has anybody ever been in that situation here where you've just, yeah, right? Why? Because it's not a pastor or a therapist or a teacher problem. It's a people problem that we all get into that issue where we decide that we've got to be the Savior. We've got to be God in our own lives or in the lives of someone else. And I've got to solve all of their problems for them. And to do that, I've got to say yes to every demand and give everything I have all the time. And if I don't, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting them down. Worst of all, maybe I'm letting God down. And so even as a volunteer in church, I can burn out. I'd like to propose that at least from here, I can't hit on everything that you need today. Because I have to wrap this up pretty soon. But there's two quick little points that I want to give you that will help you. One is that you need to clarify the higher yes in your life. 
And you do that by spending time with God, reflecting on your experiences and on what God has done in your life. Some people use different acronyms. I just simply say that as you get with God, you need to spend time reflecting on the experiences that God has taken you through that he may want to use, where you've learned incredible lessons. Maybe you've suffered incredible pain and you've been healed. And through those experiences, God may want to redeem that in the life of someone else. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, We give comfort to those who need comfort because we have received the comfort that the God of comfort comforts us with. It says it about nine times. That we're here to give through our painful experiences to other people that they might be healed and experience redemption, experience healing experience wholeness. And so we reflect on our experiences. We also reflect on our gifts, our talents, and our strengths. What am I good at? What what is God uniquely giving me? What are the resources he's placed in my life? Whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's inherent God-given hardwired strengths or talents, whether it's skills I've acquired along the way, what are those things? What's my address? Where, Where has God placed me and who are the people around me who might maybe need what I have to offer. Experiences, gifts and talents, address or location, passion. What really gets you going? What would you do for free if there was no other choice? You know, you just said, man, I love doing this so much, I don't need money. Now, if I can get money, that's great. But I don't need money for this. I'll do it anyway. What are you passionate about? And as you spend time reflecting on those things and where those things intersect, what am I passionate about? Where are my experiences that God wants to use? What are the resources, the gifts and talents that I bring? What are the people around me that may need what I have to offer? As I reflect on that, and I can only do that by pulling out of the noise either in solitude or possibly with a counselor or a life coach of some kind, a pastor, somebody who can give me guidance to help me process. The point is I can only do that in the presence of God and myself and maybe another to get away from all of the mess that's screaming for my attention that doesn't allow me to reflect. And as you do that, you can get a sense of where that's trying to converge, that higher yes that God wants you to invest in. Let me just share an example of my own life. The job, you've heard me share a little bit, the job that I'm in right now, even though I surrendered the right for this decision to my wife to come here, when I said that, I said, I go, please God, choose North Park. Right? Because I knew that this was a way better option and a sense of me bringing those things together than the other options. I knew that I was done pastoring, at least for a long time. I just knew that. And the only other options I had were pastoring. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to pastor anymore. (laughs) Please. Please let it be North Park. But I just trusted that God was working in Mary with the same spirit that he had placed in me. And I wanted to validate her. So I said, babe, you just, it's on you. I know that there's some things you want to do. And I had told her, I said, if you want me to take a job in California to get us back there, I'll do that. And Mary, as she prayed through it, she really, by the end of the week, she said, we can't go to California. I said, are you sure? Why? 
We're not called to go there. Chicago's obviously, that, that's our values. That's our call. That's what, that's what God has been doing in our lives. That's what he wants to do. We, we can't go there. And she really wanted to go to California. I mean, it was, a, it was a tough thing for her to do that. But what she saw were some of the same things that I saw. When, I, when you think about what God has done to bring me to this role, he's got me in a role where I'm investing in sports ministry which is the vehicle that I committed my life to Jesus through and grew in my faith in. With athletes, of which I've been my entire life other than when I was a fat pastor. I've lost weight, trust me. I used to be a fatter pastor. Been an athlete, been involved in sports ministry, but I've also been a pastor for the last 13 years. Half of my role overseeing the college life ministry is the Sunday night worship service where I coach and encourage these young people to put on this worship service. I speak once in a while there, but I arrange a lot of speakers too. But I get to be a pastor. I love mentoring and investing in the next generation. I get to do that as a primary heart of my role. Our values, we've been in multicultural ministry, my, my, my wife and I, for the last 13, 14 years. North Park's, North, North Park's values, if you look on the front page of the website, if you've ever been there, if you haven't, just go there. You see the tagline that's right on the front page that says, Distinctively Christian, intentionally urban, purposely multicultural. Core values for us, all three. How we've been investing our lives for the last 14 years in urban multicultural ministry with an organization now that resonates and lines up purely with those values. So it brings that together. We've been working, as I told you, on doctoral degrees, feeling a call at some point to higher education. We're now working in a higher education institute. And so God brought all five of these major narratives of my life together right here for me to invest over the next phase of my life. Now, here's the thing. I share that because, not just because it was a difficult decision with all of the choices in getting here, I mean, I could clearly see it happening because I knew in my mind what God had called me to do because I've crafted a personal vision statement that I've had and been revising and updating for the past 12 years that has guided my life. And it's allowed me to say yes to an opportunity like this and no to other opportunities to keep my life focused and manageable and balanced the times for us when it usually gets out of balance is when we don't have enough money and I've got to take an extra job, right? Can't help that. But when I have the capacity and the ability, it has kept me focused. My, my PhD is in intercultural studies, focusing on multi-ethnic and missional ministry. My ministries up to this point have been focused on that. When I was a, when I was a leadership coach and and consultant as, uh, as a missionary in L.A. It was working with pastors in that same area. Every choice I've ever made in my life over the last 12 years shaped by that mission statement has brought me to where it is, to where I am, to what I'm doing now. So I'm sharing that story to give you an idea and an understanding that as, as I invested and spent the time I needed with God to craft this statement, to give me clarity, what this did also was give me a framework and confidence to say no to a bunch of good opportunities in service to my understanding of my higher yes. If you're willing to do something like that, you don't need a cool statement like I've got. I mean, I've got this statement here that's like, oh yeah, here it is. This is my statement. 
kind of long, huh? You don't have to have something this elaborate. I mean, I've got values. I've got my impact vision statement. I've got my purpose statement. I've got all, boom, bang. Here it is. Well, the reality is I don't look over this that often, but I've got this part down here just embedded in my heart because it's who I am and it's what God has done in my life. You don't need something like this, but if you can get a clear idea that results in something like this that just gives you a little bit of a sense of your higher yes, it can provide you with the courage you need to say no's and start to maintain some balance in your life. But here's the second thing that I need to suggest to you. Is that some of us struggle, and even if we have this higher yes, we're still going to not be able to say no. Why? For some of us, it's possibly our culture or our family or both where the pressure to say yes is immense. See, in, in, this, in the culture that I grew up in, it's a little easier because it's very individualistic. It's very much about my own pursuits. I can just say, no, nah, Dad, I feel like I'm called to go do this. Great, son, go do it. In other cultures, not so much. Some of you can probably relate to this, right? You've got a lot of pressure to conform and to do what your parents want, to do what may be culturally acceptable as a vocation, and so it's much tougher for you to say no. For others, it's difficult for you to say no, no matter how clear I am on my higher yes, it's almost impossible for me to say no because I need the validation of others that I talked about earlier, right? If I say no, oh my gosh, what are they going to think of me? They're going to think I'm not a nice person. They're going to think I'm a bad Christian. They're going to think that, you know, and on and on and on and on the list goes. And so I can't say no because there's this inner drive and motivation that just keeps me saying yes out of this insatiable need to be accepted, to be validated, to, to be approved as worthy. And then still for some of us, it's just hard. And this, I think Mary would tell you that this is a struggle for her. It's like, if I say no, I just feel like I'm letting people down. I'm just letting people down. I, they, they need help. I know I can give it. And if I say no, I'm letting them down. And maybe, you know. And on top of that, I, I get to that moment. And then I'm just like, I, 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 I've thought through what I want to say. And I'm going to say no this time. And I'm, Okay, yeah, I'll do it. Right? She does that all the time. She comes to me. She'll start talking. I said, I said how'd it go? She's like, I said yes. We rehearsed for 20 minutes. No. Why? Because I'm not mean like you is what you'll say. You're heartless. It doesn't bother you. I'm like, that's not true. I'm actually as much of a people pleaser as anybody else. I like being liked. I like being seen as a hero and as a superman, as, as the guy who can do it. Go to Craig. He can do it. He'll solve it. I love that validation. But I've just learned over the years that I can't do it anymore. And so I've developed this ability to just say, no, I can't. So what we do is we spend time helping Mary try to figure out, okay, how can you actually say no? 
And so here's what I want to suggest to you is just sort of a little takeaway for you, that there's some of you in that situation where no matter what you've tried, you can't do it, but you want to do it, you want to say no, you, you know you need to say no, and here, I'm going to help you actually with a tip on how to do this. I want you to put your lips like this. And then just say this with me. No. Just kidding. I do have a tip that's more helpful than that. There's a trick when, I, when Mary and I have taken couples through premarital counseling before I've done a wedding ceremony. We give them help with resolving conflict in one of our lessons. And one of the things that we learned from our pastor was what, we call, what he called the sandwich approach. And I think some other counselors and other pastors use this term as well. Is anybody familiar with the sandwich approach to resolving conflict? Couple? The sandwich approach is simply this. I've got two pieces of bread and I've got the meat or the jam or whatever it is you like in your favorite sandwich. Picture that, right? Me, I like meat. So I've got this piece of bread right here that I sit down on my plate. And you can think of this piece of bread as affirmation. Okay? So when I know I've got to say no to somebody, I just come to them and I lay down this piece of bread and I say, they've asked me for something. I say, you know what? Man, I, I really value you. I really value our relationship. Man, you know what? You've been here my whole life. You've been here the last 10 years, whatever it is. But you've been with me through thick and thin. Man, I really appreciate you. you, you mean a, your friendship means the world to me. I affirm the relationship and I affirm the person with that piece of bread. Then I bring the meat. And I put that meat right solidly on that piece of bread next. And I say, but you know what? I've got to say no, I can't do this. Because if I say yes to this, I've got to be honest with you, I think I'm going to burn out. I think I'm going to maybe grow in my resentment towards you because I'm going to have said yes when I know I should say no. And so I'm just going to say no. I have to say no. Because I don't want to put strain in our relationship. Because... This is too important to me. So I've got to say no. That's the meat. And then I slap on the top piece of bread. And I reaffirm. But I want you to know that this doesn't mean anything less than I still love you, I appreciate you, and you, your friendship is never going to change for me. I affirm, I give the truth. And you see that Jesus does this here, right? Jesus, some of us are tempted to lie. Jesus doesn't say, I, I, I think I pulled a muscle. I can't do this today, right? I, oh, I'm feeling kind of sick. I think I had some bad wine. Take me over instead, right? I, 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 it's not working. I can't heal myself. I don't know, Right? Jesus doesn't make an excuse. He doesn't lie. He doesn't do something else. He, he just tells the truth. He says, let's go somewhere else. I need to preach the gospel of the kingdom there because that's actually why I was sent. He just tells the truth. He doesn't worry about the consequences. He's just like, I know what I'm called to do. Let's go do it. For us, too, it's the same thing. There's different ways to tell the truth, but we actually need to tell the truth and be honest with people so that they understand and know our capacity. 
So I affirm the relationship. I give the truth of my response to say, I can't do this for whatever reason that is, but I still love you. I still love you. Now you can take that little sandwich paradigm, that little model that I just gave you, and you can apply that to any conversation you need to have where you've got to give a tough no to a good option or an opportunity to help somebody out or to say yes to something that you know is good, but you just can't do it because it, it will cut into your higher yes. You can apply this anywhere. It takes some time to think through some possible responses, right? But you can take this anywhere. Now I say this, and you know, this is the challenge of being a pastor or speaking somewhere at a church, ministering to somebody, is that we can make things seem easy. Well, if you just do this and this, it's no problem. You got this, right? I don't want to minimize you by suggesting that this now, your problems are solved. But what I do want to suggest to you is this, is if you take some time to really work through these two things that I've said to you today, spend some time with God or with a trusted counselor working through and identifying that higher yes in your life. If you learn how to say no appropriately with any, for any situation by using this sandwich approach in a way that's appropriate for your culture or your family, if you can do that, you can begin to eliminate a whole lot of stress and clutter from your life and begin to make the focused investment that God wants to make through your life. I think that that's what most of us want. If you're like me at all, you want to make a difference with your life. You may have different gifts or skills than someone else. You may not be called to be a pastor or a missionary. You may not be called to be a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe you are called to be one of those. Maybe you're called to be a teacher. Maybe you're called to be a plumber, to work construction. There are any number of jobs that you may be placed in with your life, but the thing that's true of you, whatever your job is, no matter what that call is, no matter how you're called to live out your relationship with Jesus, every single one of us wants to make a difference, to know that our lives count, that, that we will actually leave a legacy that will last beyond us, that we'll be remembered, that when I pass on or if I move, people are actually going to look and say, man, you remember Craig? Oh, what a good dude, man. He, look at the stuff he did. It still makes a difference in my life today. That's what I want people to be able to say about me when I'm gone. Not for my own sake, but because I want to know that how I've invested has made a difference to help people move closer to God, have healthier relationships, and live that abundant life that Jesus has called each of us to live. And so to do that, I've just realized that I need to say no sometimes. As I get ready to pray, I'm just going to ask you right now to just close your eyes and just spend a couple of moments reflecting. And if you've been able to resonate at all with some of the stuff I've been telling you today about 
some of the motivations in your heart, some of the busyness, some of the stress and tiredness you may be experiencing, your, maybe your inability to say no. If you can identify with that, but you really want to get narrowed in and say, I'm tired of living life this way, frenetically and hectically and feeling tired all the time and feeling burned out. If you're tired of that, here's what I want you to do first. I just want you to take some time with you and God right now and just release it to him. And I know that's hard. What I want you to do in your mind right now is I want you to visualize yourself just holding on to this big ball, solid, heavy ball, like one of those, one of those kettlebells that you work out with, actually. And it's heavy and it's hard and you're tired and your shoulders are straining and your, your legs are straining because you're holding this thing and you've been swinging it in your workout and you're just holding it and you're just, you're just tired. It's like, I got to stop. I got to stop. In your mind, I want you to just picture you're holding it and you've been doing this. You're at the end of your workout and you are tired and you just, you're shaking and you've got to let it go. And here's what I want you to do in your mind. With the help of Jesus, I just want you to release your grip and let it go. And I want you to picture that that kettlebell that you've been holding on to is actually the guilt you've been carrying around trying to measure up. Or the shame you feel when you've said no and haven't met expectations from other people in your life. I want you to picture maybe that that kettlebell is the weight of responsibility that you've been carrying, that you have to be the savior, the hero to those in your family and those in your circle, your friends. I want you to picture that that kettlebell is whatever motivation you have been carrying around that has prevented you from being able to say no. It's a weight that is dragging you down. I want you to picture that bell right now as being that thing and I just want you to release it in the name of Jesus. Release it. And as you keep your eyes closed and as you release it, I want you now to just turn your hands into a cup shape. Open up. Ready to receive the love and affirmation that can only come from Jesus. As his love and affirmation replaces that bell that was in your hand, you are now openly receiving and holding affirmation. And I want you to hear this. Jesus is telling you this right now. No matter what you do, no matter who you say no to, I love you. You're my beloved child. I came to die for you. And no matter how many times you say no in service to your higher yes, that will never change. That's what Jesus is saying to you right now. Carlton gets ready to lead us. I just want to pray for us, and I just want us to 
receive the freedom that comes from being in a space where I have the ability to say no when I know it's beyond my capacity because Jesus wants me to live an abundant life of service for him over the, long, the entirety of my life. And so if you want to be in that place and you want to live free of that guilt and shame and that worry, just in your heart, just, just be praying with me as I lead you through this prayer. Lord Jesus, I release my need to be a hero. I release my desire to please everybody in my life. I release the need to be affirmed by everybody else other than you. I just pray instead that you would come into my heart right now and just fill me with your spirit and affirm me for who I am. As you have said in your word, I am your beloved kin. I am a co-heir to the throne with you. You love me so much that you died for me so that I could have new life, so that I, that new life would be an abundant life, a fulfilling life, not a perfect life, not a life with everything that I want, but a life that allows me to live free from the guilt and shame of measuring up to everybody else's expectations. Jesus, I release those to you right now. Heal me. Give me courage. Give me strength. Help me to gain clarity on the higher yes that you want me to invest my life in. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace that sustains me. Sustain me now as I move forward with a new posture ready to say good no's in service to my higher yes. Amen.